Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham and joining me as always, it's the dog walker. It's Luke Holmes. Hi, Graham. How are we doing? Hi. <laughs> I had to throw that one in there, didn't you? Absolutely. What's... Walking my sausage, yeah. Yeah, as you love to do. Not for the first time. Hey, hi Hey, yo. What's going on? Absolutely nothing. I'm probably like the most of the UK, just sat here melting whilst I'm recording this. So, yeah, not not the best, but we're getting there. Mm. Well, we are recording this on a Monday because life happened yesterday. For... Big, big moments in my life. So, uh-huh. And... Uh... Yeah. To be honest, there's a lot I had to do, and I had to do more reading myself on some of the some of the news of events that kind of came out from the week in, in F1. So I want I wasn't I wasn't I want to be a bit more prepared. So that's why we're doing this on the Monday instead of on the Sunday. So uh, hopefully it should drop the same day as we record this. But yeah, that is the reason why it's a little a little later than normal. But we shall hop into things. Uh, we spoke at decent length earlier in the season about the. About F1 teams and the cost cap, and obviously they want their teams that want increases due to inflation and the sorts. And th- I honestly thought this might run longer into the season, but we've actually yeah. got. They uh, actually came to an agreement. Sorry, nine out of the ten teams came to an agreement on the uh, on a uh, on a budget cap break, so to speak. This is a, this is a reading a story from racefans.net from Keith Collentine. So. I'm going to read some stuff and we're going to read some quotes and we'll have a chat and we'll see how we'll have some thoughts. So originally the budget cap was introduced last year and set at a level of $145 million, which is £120.9 million, with several exceptions, including salaries of the top teams and drivers, which, by the way, before I'm just going to cut in here, um, there, there was some chatter about uh, cost cap for drivers or salary caps for drivers uh, around the British Grand Prix. Complete nonsense. Drivers should be paid what they want. It's This is not... This is not like professional football. This is not like NFL. It's not like the NBA. You have two drivers. You should pay them whatever they want. I agree with that. I've I've always thought that. So that was that. We didn't talk about that. I did see some comments floating around, and Sergio Perez mentioned that Joe's accident was an example of why cap, this, this, the the um, driver's salary shouldn't be capped. Yeah. yeah, I thought about that. Mention that. Uh, if the so the, the that fell to 140 million dollars this year as planned. However, a sharp rise in inflation since the beginning of the season left several teams concerned they would be una- unable to avoid exceeding the spending limit. But with the with other but with other lower spending teams confident of meeting that limit, reaching an agreement on easing the limit has proved difficult. An F1 commission meeting took place ahead of the start of practice for the Austrian Grand Prix involving the FIA, Formula One management, and representatives of the ten teams. The FIA and FOM issued a joint announcement afterwards stating a deal had finally been reached. And this is what they said. Rapidly increasing inflation rates since the end of 2021 have affected Formula 1 teams and it is the opinion of the FIA and Formula 1 that this creates a risk of non-compliance with the financial regulations if actions are not taken. And that was what they said. Uh, there's more to that. So while regulations already allow for a big spending increase by up to 3% with inflation, a further rise of 3.1% has been agreed. However, one team opposed the change. 
And this is still, no, this is re now this is re reading again from the statement. Following consultation with the Financial Advisory Committee over recent weeks, the FIA brought a proposal to the Commission that was approved by the was approved by the required majority with support from the FIA, Formula One and nine of the teams. The proposal recognises the unexpected increase of costs incurred by teams in 2022, thereby permitting indexation at a limited rate of 3.1%, which takes into account the original 3% inflation threshold already set out in the regulations, and permitting compounding of this rate as from 2023. This will preserve the long-time integrity of financial regulations. So before we read any quotes, any major thoughts on any of that? So the one team who we're saying it is, because I think we both have the same idea. I thought at the time, uh, based on just general comments that this person slash team have made on this on this situation, um, I thought immediately Alfa Romeo. Yeah, same. Yeah, it makes the most sense. They're probably one of the only teams to stay in budget, from what I've read, and they've actually done a decent job with their car and was underweight and stuff like that. So I can see why they'd be a bit pissed off with the things changing and what have you but carry on and fred Vassour is what like, we talked about this quote when fred Vassour brought up about you know just turning off the wind tunnel for example like to save mm. costs like fred Vassour has kind of been in the kind of you know do what you have to do to meet this mm. uh there's a piece on ray uh, the race.com from ed straw talking about how no f1 team is happy with the cost cap increase and that's good so I'm going to read out a bunch of quotes from some of the team principals and the such uh, about this, uh, starting with Fred Vassour. So, uh, the cost cap was the best decision of F1 over the last few years, and we have to consider that the view on the cost cap is completely different between the small teams and the big ones. Uh, so, obviously, yeah, we talked about that. Mm. Uh, it's a good compromise at the end. Nobody was happy, and that's probably the best way to manage the deal. Um, Mattia Bonotto said in terms of timing we were really borderline some teams were already in breach of the budget cap this year and at least to find a, a compromise was important i would say thanks to the smallest teams because they have been comprehensive and constructive certainly as a big team you are you are always looking for more but the compromise is good enough to give us a uh, give us a breath and a new target on what was the unexpected situation of this season that meant we could not have afforded the budget cap yes it'll be tight but positive that we came to the decision uh, do, 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 do. So I'm reading a passage here. Uh, Vassour said that, quote, we have to stop, end quote, when it comes to arguments about increasing spending further. As for Toto Wolff, he confirmed that accepting he confirmed that accepting there would be no minor breaches was key to achieving a compromise. I think, we, I think why we achieved the compromise is that we said to the small teams we are not going to come back and say we need some kind of negotiation with the cost cap uh, adjunct... Uh, sorry adjudication uh with the cost cap adjudication panel i think the three of us being mercedes red bull and ferrari are very much above it that means saving costs will be necessary at least for mercedes so the outcome is helpful but does not but does it doesn't solve our problems no uh so but also went on to say now we've got a new target and we will not be and we will, will not be in breach we can't afford to be in breach and it will be down to us as a team and a responsibility to make sure that we simply respect it. It will be very tight. It will be very difficult. Energy, inflation, freight, all is all there. Sorry, it's all there. So we will be cost saving. So cost saving will be required, no doubt. And we've only got a few months from now to the end of the season. Most of the expense of the season have been done already. 
and with very little remains, but certainly we need to control and make sure we cope with it. Uh, last one, the last quote here is from uh, Gunter Steiner, which is his, his is the most fascinating one by far. So he said, "The compromise was that we all are on, sorry. The compromise was that we are all not really happy about it, but we move on, and that is the most important thing for F1 in general. The big teams wanted more, the small teams want nothing, and the compromise is in the middle. But it shows we work together. We fight." Normally it is Toto which is fighting everybody, but he had a few colleagues with him this time which vote with him, normally people which he fights. But it was a good meeting and we move on. That's the most important thing. There are bigger issues uh, than, we, than that we need to resolve to go forward. So, which is right. He is right. So, hearing all of that, we hear from some big teams, hear from some smaller teams, what's your, what's your any other thoughts or, or on anything that anyone may have said? They're all right in their own manner, aren't they, really? Obviously, they're all trying just to stay under the cap, but obviously Fred has got the point of, well, you can you can do more to stay in that budget. Um, Toto could do a lot more. There is definitely things they can cut back on. They could have not developed the car a bit more. You know what I mean? It's, right. They have done a lot to work on that car compared yeah, to other cars. That teams. car has basically been reworked three times over. Like, there is no need for that. And I'm sure that will be a thing that gets clamped down on in the future. If this if this scenario like happens again next year, if the um, world's economy and like things don't start going back towards a a normal price range, shall we say? Because everything is just skyrocketing at the minute. So I'm, I'm glad that they've sort of come to a compromise, but I'm glad it's not um, stupid increase. Three point whatever percent it was isn't that big of an increase really i don't think it's not going to make a huge amount of difference in terms of um actually injecting a lot of cash into the teams right and like again it's 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 not again the big teams won't benefit much from it and the, the smaller teams are not happy about it so it's again like like some of them have said like steiner and Vissor have said it's kind of a fair you know if no if no one's happy that's seemingly a fair compromise if it's in the middle like it's not going to help the big yeah. teams as you say Small teams, it's not. Yeah, it doesn't really help them in terms of you know, because you know they're they probably can't afford it anyway. Right, because there's as this you go say some teams, you know, just because the cap doesn't, doesn't mean that all teams can reach that cap. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like telling you I want to buy this house for two hundred thousand, but I, I can only afford a hundred thousand. It's just not gonna mm -hmm. not the not the case, is it? Uh, interesting what Gunter Steiner said about you know Toto usually is usually the one fighting people, uh, and then <laughs> Which he is yeah. Which, yeah, again, just pisses me off about Mercedes in general. Uh, but interesting, obviously, he had his allies, you'd imagine, would be Bonotto and Horner in this regard. Cause Horner, yeah, which is very strange. Because Horner has obviously been speaking for a while about wanting this as well. Mm. So they, they can be nice when they want to be. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, 3.1%, uh, top of the 3% already added on. Look, it's it's fine. Uh, but that, that's... Oh, that's yeah, that's, that's one of the seemingly bigger uh i guess topics from the year kind of i want to say put to bed because again like i don't think we sh we shouldn't hear this about this again because and that's when that's, that's what kind of that's what wolf kind of alluded to as well yeah if someone goes over now then it's their own fault yeah yeah fully so. agree so there was that uh again very interesting comments again that piece was on there uh, that with all those quotes that was on uh, the race.com and the other piece was on there uh, racefans.net so uh more more uh more i guess f1 politics uh, we all know that there are some clarification of floor rules coming uh 
this was delayed and the statement from the FIA about this uh, joint start, another joint statement from FIA and F1, following feedback and consultation with the teams and in order to allow teams to make necessary updates to the plank and skid assemblies, which will ensure a fair application of the metric used to measure this oscillation, being porpoising, across all cars, the implementation of the draft technical directive issued to the teams prior to the British Grand Prix will come into effect from the Belgian Grand Prix. So there's a lot of chatter this week and uh, from just gone about flexi floors and all this kind of thing. Uh, Total Wolf saying that he was shocked about this. Uh, uh-huh. Shocked that his team missed the trick, I guess. Uh, Christian Horner rubbishing idea, uh, claims that this will affect Red Bull. They say He says their car is absolutely fine and uh, with this regard doesn't have to worry about it. Uh, you had Max Verstappen saying that Mercedes actually do this more than Red Bull do and Ferrari do. So there's a lot of, mm. I guess, you know, with, with one thing dying down with the cost cap infl- and increase, it comes in, it just comes another thing, doesn't it? Yeah, there's always a story. There's always some form of drama. Mm-hmm. The, the, two minutes without drama. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, so there's a few quotes on this. Anything of really note? Uh, Mercedes obviously want this as soon as possible because they they obviously think they've you know that it's it, other teams are doing this illegally, and of course. They and obviously they believe they aren't. Uh, every everyone who's really spoken, and that's like the likes of uh, Frederick Sauer, Mike Crack, Christian Horner, uh, Toto Wolf. They all believe that they aren't really in you know in infringement of what this directive would in, you know would would tidy up. So mm. I don't know whether this will actually change any competitive order at all. I'm not sure, but I'm guessing we'll we'll start to see it if it does if it does like. If there is a new floor on a certain car in Hungary, I want to say, being tested in one of the free practice sessions, then uh, it'll sort of give us an inkling that they're trying things out, ready for Belgium. Um, interesting. Frederick sort of wants an even longer delay. Um, but then he said, it won't change a big deal for us. But I'm a bit surprised with the reaction because in the regulation, the plank is supposed to be a rigid. That's <laughs> what he said. Uh, okay. Ferrari saying it's not a big deal either. Again, Red Bull aren't concerned either. So I don't know. May, I, again, could be a double-edged sword for Mercedes because they are the one that pushed it that wanted this, have been wanting this the most. You know, if it ends up them going further down, I'm going to absolutely wet myself. I will laugh, but I'll also be similarly pissed if it ends up putting them at the front. Yeah, because yeah, they've been because be they've been crying wolf, no pun intended, uh, all all year long. For again, Christian Horner literally talked about it again. Um, the argument being: Is it the duty of the competitor to make sure the car is safe, or is it the duty of the FIA to ensure that the that the competitive runs competitor that the competitor runs their car safely? Mm. And That's talked about kind of you know other people talked about like kind of, we didn't see this as silver sun really it wasn't really a problem. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I wonder if maybe if people have maybe wonder if the FIA maybe moved too soon on this. Yeah, I, I would have left it if it was me, but hmm. we'll see. Anyways, uh, final piece of news, so to speak, before we're heading. This is actually during the weekend of the um, Austrian Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> well, we all know uh, the situation after Abu Dhabi, which involved Michael Massey being removed from his position and seeing two race directors being put in charge to, uh, you know, to... Uh, to basically run this at different times, being Niels Vitic. Vit- is it Vitic or Vitic? Vitic. Vitic and Eduardo Freitas. Uh, but now, over the weekend, uh, 
one of the one of the uh, Grand Prix drivers associate directors, George Russell, um, wants a return to one race director to address a lack of accountability. So this is the, what he said. Uh, he said there is, quote, no accountability, end quote, with the current race control management. And he said, I do agree that we need to stick to with one race director. We need a bit more consistent. We need to have a bit more consistency with the stewarding. We come to the following event and often the stewards from the previous events are not there. So there's no accountability, no explanations of decisions. And we ask questions and it's difficult to get a straightforward answer because I wouldn't say the blame, but almost the blame is being put on to somebody else who isn't there. So, yes, it's tricky. Everybody's got their own interpretations. Uh, and Ross went on to say, I think it's incredibly difficult for the FIA, very difficult, very difficult for the drivers. There's been a lot of borderline decisions or maneuvers this season, whether it's defending, whether it's track limits in a racing scenario like last week in Silverstone. We don't want to be dishing out penalties left, right and centre, but there needs to be an element of consistency somewhere. I think we need to look at the root cause of the issues. Uh, he went on to say then, with these track limit offences, the cause or the issue is a circuit. We're never going to solve this issue until you solve the circuit. So turn four here in Austria, you will never have that issue. But you compare that with turn one here, it's uh, here, Austria, or Silverstone last week, you will always have the issue. Uh, it's funny, this actually came out like uh, 9th of July, so like before his own accident with Perez at turn four, which I thought was funny. <laughs> Good. Uh, any thoughts on that in general? I think he's addressing, the problem is, I think, I think he's addressing the wrong thing. I think he's addressing more the... I think he's called, he's confused the race director with the stewards. Yeah, it's a bit. I thought that myself, but we don't know what's what was said in the meetings and stuff, so it's hard to judge what he's actually getting at with what he said. But it, it, I, I think I do agree with slightly what he says. It, there needs to be consistency because one race you can have one verdict, and the next race it'll be completely completely different for the same incident. It's it's very strange. Yeah, and you're, a great example of this is uh, the the penalty that was given to Fernando Alonso in Canada, and then when he wants the consistency and they give it to the clerk for a similar offence, it's not given. Mm. Now the problem That's is I mean. the problem is you set a very bad precedent with that thing with Alonso and Bottas in Canada. It was hardly anything, and you do it with Fernando Alonso, and it's going to be chased up with you until it's if until it's actually sorted. Again, this is what Alonso does. He does it. He that last year. He'll push everything to the limit. And I was thinking, like he re- like. He really is the re- like he really is the successor of Michael Schumacher in, in many regards. He really is his like his reincarnation F one like c- to carry on the baton because that's exactly what Schumacher would have done as well. Yeah, um, I just think it's I just think that's so funny. But yeah, so I think I think so again. You're talking about a stewarding decision and inconsistency. Again, you give a five second penalty for Alonso for well, I don't really think that was dangerous. Like if you from with Bottas, he was on the line. You know, it was someone could have said yes, someone could have said no. That this is the point. I, it, it, to me, another day that would have been given as nothing. Yeah, and what Alonso seeks more than anything else is clarity, so he knows how far he can push the envelope. And then when it's done the opposite way, you know, then it's not given. Then you're 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 bringing into this consistency thing that Russell is talking about here. Mm. The problem is Russia last year. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how Alonso pushed that. Uh, knew exactly what he was doing but with the race director thing again you can't ha- like the problem is you can't have one because they have commitments elsewhere mm. where it needs to it just needs to be somebody else i think yeah it's not going to work with two yeah uh who's i think it's vidic has done the majority of these hasn't he he has yeah so freitas is not very light either i don't think so 
Well, who was it? Mm. Who was it over the weekend? Was it Vitic over the weekend? I am not sure. There was one weekend recently where it was both of them for the first time. I can't remember what I race weekend. I want to weekend. say that was Silverstone. Possibly. Uh, obviously, they were not the only bit of news to come from race meetings with Vettel storming out with apparently uh, a conversation was going... I think maybe on, on, this, on this topic, I think it was. I think Ted Kravitz was talking about this. Uh, on this basically on this topic, it was basically going round and round in circles. Vettel was like, are we going to talk about anything else? Or Because they hadn't even got to the weekend itself yet in terms of... Mm. So then Vettel just stormed out then and then was handed the 20,000, 25,000, 20,000 suspended fine. 25. So, yeah. <laughs> Not a great weekend for the race directors. Uh, but again, this no. is this is the problem when you have Mercedes who would have been up in the arms if Massey come back. I think everyone else would have been okay with Massey coming back, but you know Mercedes wouldn't have allowed it. So, And then you have their one of their drivers, you know, now talking about no accountability with the race directors and calling for one it's i don't know it's it's not a great look and it's not as only to do with russell because he was at williams at the time i know he had his own issues with the obviously being a mercedes driver and being was contracted mercedes next year but and then you have the you know you see he has to say certain things but Mm. him bringing this up now is not a great look in general for mercedes when it's really there it's there because of them that this situation is here in the first place yeah, it's come back full circle, hasn't it? So, yeah, not not great, but anyways, the Mercedes PR machine jogs on. To Austria we go, Graham. Austria we go, yes. Uh, what a race this was. What a weekend this was. Uh, one of the races were good, yes. Yeah, well... Yes. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of, yeah. Actually, do we need to talk much about the sp- about the sprint at all? No, not really, because nothing happened. Yeah, literally nothing happened. There was more retirements or cock-ups at the start than actually was action. So, yeah, so very quick. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, as it would be with no safety cars at uh, at Austria. Anyways, after 71 mm. laps, though, in the end, uh, the Austrian Grand Prix was won by Charles Leclerc ahead of Max Verstappen with Lewis Hamilton ready at the podium. And of his teammate George Russell in fourth, Esteban Ocon fifth, Mick Schumacher collecting his best F1 result in sixth, uh, Nando Nara seventh, Kevin Magnussen eighth, Daniel Ricciardo finishing ninth, and Alonso ready at the points in tenth. Uh, let's just jump into winners and losers, shall we? And I've been saying for a, a long time now that Ferrari have been right there to win races ever since Spain, and through one circumstance or another, it just hasn't worked out for them. And having, I have to say, having seen the, the sprint unfold on Friday, or on Saturday, they looked competitive, but there's an element of, is Verstappen managing this out the front? And you could argue yes, and you could have argued no, because he was talking about he was struggling, about struggling with tyres. But when race day came, I don't think people expected Ferrari the superiority switch like it did into Ferrari's favour over Red Bull? No, not with the... There was about a two-second gap constantly in the sprint, wasn't there? I think it was... If, then, yeah, they finished about 1.5 or so, I think. And the, the tyre just started to kick in and Charles just started to close, but that could have been Max cruising. We don't know. But in the actual race itself, my word, Max was gone at the start, but then six or seven laps in and Charles was on his arse the, the, he just absolutely flipped the switch like I haven't seen it flip that much where I, I was full on expecting Max to just run away with it I thought honest. so too as soon as he got off the line I was alright okay this is going to be boring but oh boy was I wrong <laughs> um, and he, 
it just somehow just I don't know if it was the cooler temperatures or whatever. The Ferrari just apparently, seemed to be a lot better on the tires. Yeah, yeah. Appar- apparently some of the tires that it was some of the cooler temperatures for the for the switch, but. They, yeah, like Leclerc was very racy with Verstappen. I had to pass him three times in this race. Uh, strategy, I think they were trying to do a one stop, but then like 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 like, mo- like most other people switched to a two. And even yeah, then, even then, like because they Red Bull committed to this very early and too early, way too early. Mm. And even with that, you know, with Verstappen undercutting essentially into that gap that Ferrari tried to leave out with Leclerc and Sainz. There's such a sort of pace difference on the tires, basically, you know, and in general that, you know, Ferrari were able to switch to that two-stop and still make the overtake, make it work. So, yeah, Leclerc ended up uh, overtaking Verstappen three times in the end to get this done. But just when you thought it was getting, you know, that it was comfortable, A, you had the science failure, which in spectacular fashion, which we'll talk about. And then B, you had Leclerc's throttle issues. And you can see on the telemetry how the, the throttle was, was stuck basically about 25, 30%. I haven't seen that. Oh, you, you didn't see that? It was on the it was on the the graphic came up on the world feed and you could see the you could see the, the throttle on. So Leclerc had to drive around that and uh had enough margin over Verstappen in the end. It was one point five seconds at the finish line, but he I think he was just managing a little bit that last lap, but eventually brought home. So Thank God. First, uh, Leclerc's first win since Australia round three and his first podium since Miami, which is crazy. Yeah, I saw a tweet that said, right, Leclerc's won and the last two races Leclerc's won is Oz and Oz. So he's not going to win until Austin. So. <laughs> I saw that tweet, yeah. Yeah, um, that was pretty funny. But, you know, I, it, Leclerc wanted, speaking, heading into the weekend, Leclerc was talking about how he just wanted a quiet weekend where nothing really happened. And he almost got that until the throttle issue came up, but... Other than that, like it, this was the weekend that Leclerc was, I would say, due in many ways, and the results that he's deserved since Spain. Yeah, yeah, he should have won at least two races by now, at least. Whereas one thing or another is just coming and taking it away from him, or it, it's just been really, really poor luck because he's, I think, he's one of the lowest scoring drivers in the last five or six races uh, outside the big teams. So, in fact, I think he is the lowest. It'd have to be, I'd imagine. Driver. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's long overdue and it sort of kicks everything back into action. He was very confident on on Saturday after the sprint that they could win that race on Sunday. Very confident. Yeah, there's a lot of fighting words I've uh, spoken on Saturday, which again, normally is a dangerous thing to do given that, you know, the race is yet to unfold. But yeah, he was right. Like, and, you know, he had that ding dong with science in the early phases of the sprint, uh, something that they could not repeat on Sunday, and they didn't, because just Leclerc found an extra gear compared to Sainz on the Sunday. Mm. And I don't think Sainz was bad either. That no, no, I don't think so either. Yeah, no, you would have, it would have been a Ferrari one too. Definitely. Quite easily, I thought. Oh yeah, he was gunning yeah. for him. I don't, I think he was just, I, I don't know if he was in, within DRS or just outside it when he his was engine just, went. It was, was the first lap he got onto DRS, and then knew you were on board, and then you just hear the engine go, and then I cried. So, unfortunately for Leclerc, he didn't make up as many points on Verstappen as maybe he would have liked, given that Verstappen got the extra point for the sprint race win and then an extra point in the race here for fastest lap. So, the gap between them stands. Now, Leclerc moves into second, obviously, with Perez's retirement, uh, but the gap is 38 points, which is still considerable for Verstappen, Verstappen, but very interesting kind of, you know, how... Because this looked quite like... as. Probably the first time since Australia since 
Ferrari looked, I know the gap doesn't reflect that, but how more, I guess, comfortable Ferrari looked on pace compared to Red Bull? Yeah, I would have said, going into this this race, I think we both said, right, Red Bull. This is a Red Bull track, literally. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were both like, right, Max, Max loves his place. I don't see any other option. But somehow, Ferrari just seemed to suit the track a lot more. It's very, very strange. And that sort of gives me hope that going into these next few races before the summer break, that Ferrari can actually kick on a bit and claw back some of the advantage that Red Bull have got. Their gap in the constructors has come down considerably with that. Uh, it's Well, not considerably, but they're all, like Red Bull 359, Ferrari 303. Not the biggest gap in terms of constructors in the world. No, but if, if they got the 1-2, yeah. they might finish third. That would have been a lot closer. Yeah, so we were talking about kind of the constructors kind of being done in a, in a sense. Uh, it's never over until it's overgrown. Yeah, maybe a little too soon on that. But yeah, the clerk, I, look, I thought, drove great all weekend. He's been driving great all season. Uh, just had to read that one mistake really initially uh, in mm. Imola. And well, and well, you could debate whether Silverstone uh, with Perez again. I think both could be held there, but yeah, but yeah, um, well, well overdue result for the clerk. He drove out of skin. He had to make the overtakes. Uh, a lot of traffic to contend with as well at times. No, oh, it's not just one car. It was like six or seven cars at once. It was ridiculous how far they were in front. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah, again, a well overdue win, and yeah, I think there's there's definitely more to come. Just like again, you talk about that he could have won two races. It could have been three races between from Spain, Monaco, and Silverstone. You know. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, that's the thing. He, and again, a second place at least at Baku. So he's he's mm. lost a lot of points, and he really should be either right there. Verstappen's Verstappen obviously lost his fair share of points as well. Yeah, Verstappen's not had two. No, well, Silverstone wasn't great for Verstappen as well, so mm-hmm. there is that. Um, anything else to say on Charlie Leclerc? I know we didn't spend a ton of time talking about him, but he just, yeah, just like, nailed There's it. not much to say. He's absolutely aced it, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to give Max Verstappen the weekend as well, just because... You've got to, Annie. You won the sprint race. You can't not. Won the sprint race, took pole position, and a good... Leclerc won the race, but a good... I, I don't want to say damage limitation for Verstappen, but... In a sense, it was. He finished second when he should have finished third. Uh, Science was on his ass. And instead of losing, he could have lost nine or so points if you count fastest lap as well. But only lost, mm. didn't lose a ton in the end. So he's got still got a very healthy lead in the constructor, uh, sorry, in the driver's championship. Uh, he was a little bit perplexed about some of the tire deck issues. I think they got to let us explore that. By the way, just the thought just occurred to me if he'd won this uh, over the weekend, I think that would have been his fifth victory in Austria. Yeah, he won both last year. Because, yeah, uh, 2018, 2019, yeah. and the two in 2021. So technically he has won five because of the sprint. But, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> technically. Which is, which is wild to think about, isn't it? Like he's, he's won that track four times. This is most successful try. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, that instead of, yeah, it, it was Mexico. Hmm. Well, well, you could argue between like two races at one venue, like you know, it's yeah, it sort of takes out. He's won. Uh, he's won in three different years. I believe. Uh, is it three different years? Yeah, three different years. Seventeen. 19, he won seventeen as well. I think. Yeah. Seventeen, eighteen. 
Did he win 19? I'm not sure if he won 19. No, I don't think he did. And Obviously I wore it there in 20. Yeah, so, yeah, three different years in Mexico. But anyways, look, a 38-point lead for him. He's in a strong position. Uh, he'll just kick on. Yeah, do we have to? I really don't want to give Lewis a winner, but I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm going to give them a result. the result for Mercedes a winner at the weekend. I, yeah. I really don't think they had great weekends. Uh, they both crashed in qualifying, obviously. Uh, Hamilton worse than Russell in terms of damage. Uh, Hamilton's sprint was very poor. Uh, very, very poor. Uh, should have actually finished worse off had Haas handled that situation a little bit better. Star of the race wasn't great for Hamilton either. Lost out to Mick Schumacher and mistake me out of turn one. But that car is just so much quicker than the rest of them, I think, in terms of where they are, that he was able to get back up to a net P4 and then when Sainz had his failure, a P3. So the pace was solid, but I I don't think they drove especially well. And Russell, similar situation, really. Uh, the pace of the car was able to get him back from a... Obviously, he clashed with Perez, got a penalty, damaged the wing, made up a lot of ground with Russell in terms of, like, I think it was mostly just overcutting, really, but they had to make some overtakes as well, to be fair to him. But... Mm. I don't think they drove especially well, either driver, over the weekend, but they no. got a 3-4 out of it, which is more than what they deserved. Yeah. Sky were absolutely loving it. I yeah. bet. Oh, yeah, Brundle was absolutely creaming himself about it. It was so annoying. I just think they're that... They they, they seem to be that much quicker than the rest of the pack now, compared to, like, they're not in no man's land between Mercedes and... Or, sorry, between Ferrari and Red Bull, and they're just miles quicker than the rest. Yeah, Red Bull 17-18 vibes. Yeah, seems like it. Uh, yeah. So they got a good result, and Townsend got his third podium Gifted. in a row. It wasn't. That's the thing. Like they, they haven't taken the podium on merit. I don't feel like, apart from Hamilton at Silverstone. Yeah, no, that was that was deserved. Yeah, that one was. Um, other than that, I I really feel like they have again. I come back to what I've saying in other podcasts. They've just between. Ferrari and Red Bull tripping over themselves, over each other, or in Sergio Perez's case, over Mercedes this time. Again, another Mercedes that takes out a Red Bull at turn four. And they, I, mm-hmm. I know it wasn't as bad as what Gasly did to Vettel, but you, you've you set a precedent with this thing at turn four. You have that. Mm. It's, it's just what it has to be. Gasly should have been worse, in my opinion. Yeah, but fair. Russell's just looked like first lap, understeer type thing, whereas Gasly's was just... We'll, we'll come on to that. Oh, yeah. Gasly's was far worse than Russell's, for sure. Mm. But, yeah. yeah he's, he's not, you know, fun, Graham. <laughs> a good result from um, from Mercedes, though, in terms of that. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely not deserved. Yeah, I would say that. How, how do you feel about their their pace in terms of, you know, what we saw in Silverstone last week compared to what we saw this week and if there was any anything to go on at all? Um, I'm questioning it. I don't know how there was, like, miles quicker... Well, I say miles quicker. They were on the pace in Silverstone, and then they'll end up finishing forty seconds back in Austria on a track where there's nine corners. Ten, technically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think they're as far behind as that as that margin suggests. No, I, I don't. But they're not. They're not any closer than what they was at the start of the season. I don't think. I think they're it's a little just, bit closer, just in terms of like they're away from the rest of the field. Yeah, but the gap to Ferrari and Red Bull is just basically the same. I do apart think from like a very situational occasion. Yeah, I do think that they've got they should be licking their lips at France, and if they don't get close at France, 
they think they could yeah they they should be a little bit more concerned if their running isn't as strong as France but we'll see um I am yeah I obviously look I'm not again it's no secret not a Mercedes fan I would be fearful of a good Mercedes result at France like I was at Silverstone yeah yeah um and that's another like big or great place so yeah I'm not, I'm not looking forward to it to be honest uh who else do you have as a winner of the weekend at Austria Ocon I would have said Alpine as a whole and no no the drivers <laughs> yes Alpine no 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 we'll get to that though Ocon solid P or a very good P5 actually solid was pretty much on his own for most of it only a couple of seconds in front of Mick but just yeah just picked up the result when he could and got the job done uh I don't know how far he was ahead of Mick because uh, Schumacher was the last car lapped and Ocon was the last unlapped car. Mm. It was it was three seconds the last time I saw it and it wasn't much. So, yeah, uh, look again. Ocon drove well. He goes well at Austria. To be fair, this is one of his better tracks. Mm. To be fair, and uh, went well in the sprint. Went well in qualifying. Uh, like it, like it has for a lot of the season has been the. Uh, the unimpaired, I guess, uh, Alpine of the two. Obviously, I know we just had the failure at Silverstone, but uh, obviously Alonso had the the blackout before the sprint and couldn't even take the start of that, which made he qualified from the back. And then when his break finally came, did Alonso's for the VSC for science. Uh, I They say it wasn't, a, I think it was a loose wheel, but the pit stop was done correctly, which is what got which is what escaped them a penalty for Alonso, but Alonso had to immediately pit again and went yeah. from P9 to P14. They fought back for P10, but could have e- probably should have easily been sixth place for Alonso. Uh, he just can't catch a break. <laughs> he can't. It's, it's so annoying. You know, Honestly, he- I, was, I was like, right, he's easily got seventh, easily. Not a chance he has any lower. But no, Alpine were like, yeah, good one, Luke. Yeah. Uh, He's, an absolute he says he's lost about 60 or 70 points. I'm not sure maybe that much, but he's lost... At least 50. He's lost At a least. lot of points. Like, Ocon sitting in 8th on 52 points, Alonso 10th, 29. Again, doesn't begin to tell a story. Again, it's not that Ocon's driven badly. No, no. Not at all. But it's just that Alonso's look has been shafted. Uh, I did find it hilarious, though. Like, he didn't want to say that the tyre wasn't loose over the radio so they wouldn't get a penalty. Uh, he just said that they had to pit again. Uh, the team asked him why, and he said he, like, he, just said, he just said pit again. He didn't want to. He, apparently, like he had massive vibrations. I believe the tire wasn't quite fitted correctly. Yeah, but it is just hilarious. Like again, he just the rule man. He just he's just so aware in the cockpit all times. Like if I say it's a loose wheel, we could get a penalty. Now the FIA were clever enough to catch on to this, but again, they they felt that because the the tire was fitted correctly, so to speak, that they didn't get a penalty. It wasn't unsafe. Which spared him the the gambling point in the end, but look, you got you got to do a lot of overtaking. You had to pick up a lot of time on that last stint at Alonso to actually get that point. So I think he drove a very good race, but yeah, so do I. Got up a point for it, but look, I guess Alpine in, in general, like they're level with McLaren now on eighty one points for fourth place. I can we say with conviction now that they are the fourth quickest car? Oh yeah, by a mile, easily, not even close. Okay, so. Their level on points, I don't think it's going to be too long before they move ahead of McLaren, unless McLaren brings some... Unless A, Ricardo ups his game, which he did over the weekend, and B, 
something that improves that car. Yeah, and I don't see that happening, to be honest. So, I would say, so that's why I'd say a good weekend for Alpine, just because they got a good result through Ocon and they got a match to get point with Alonso at least. Uh, they didn't handle obviously. They obviously, the failure for Alonso in the sprint obviously just sucked. And obviously, he, had, and he, had, he got P nine on floor damage in qualifying as well. He should have been arguably where Ocon was. Mm. He was showing great pace in Q one and Q two. So, but look, a good weekend for them overall. They they got a good result with Ocon. They leveled points with McLaren. You know, well, they're uh, they're looking in good shape. Yes, uh, I'm going to give the winner of the weekend to Haas. Yes. Now, they could have handled the sprint a little better with Magnussen. Schumacher was pissed. Very, very angry was, was Schumacher after the after the sprint qualifying. He did not hide that discontent in his face uh, or his words. Uh, Gunter had to come over the radio after sprint and tell him that, look, we got, we got points for the team in the sprint. Uh, he was just shaking his head in the cockpit afterwards. He was not happy at all. I don't blame him because I think Magnussen probably did a little bit of self-preservation. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, just they could have held on. They could, they could have got double points finish in the sprint, but they... Now, look, you could say that Mick should have, been able to, should have stayed within DRS. Yeah, you could say that. But I also think... Well, he, sorry, I also think that part of the team should manage that situation as well. Yeah, but the fact that Mick was holding Lewis Hamilton back and defending like mad... And then Magnussen just drives off because of it. It's it's not very good in that respect because you know, all all Magnussen had to do was just keep making DRS and that was it. And as soon as Mick lost DRS, Lewis went past, basically. And yeah. that's that's what cost him points. And uh, Mick was pissed that he should he felt he should have actually been ahead of Magnussen. He felt he was quicker. Mm. So if he probably felt he was playing a team game with uh, with that, and Magnussen then didn't when time came. Yeah. Uh, that was also why I didn't think uh, Mercedes drivers drove very well the weekend was Hamilton. He did. He was very. He wasn't very creative or inventive trying to get past Schumacher. A man with his experience uh, in Hamilton should at least be able to rattle Schumacher at least under, put him under pressure. But he took the same lines, the same thing. Look, he looked very uninspired at Hamilton in the car on the Saturday on the sprint. And took far longer to probably pass Schumacher than it probably should have. He, a man of his caliber and talent at Hamilton, should be able to make Mistaken. Schumacher more uncomfortable. Like if that's a, I was saying, like I was saying to you over the weekend, if that's Alonso or Vettel in his mirrors, he's ju- he's ju- jutting out, constantly reminding Schumacher that he's there. Like a little fake dive to the inside to unsettle Schumacher, maybe force Schumacher to leave space where there's not need to be space. You know. No, oh, yeah. Look at what happened when Max came to overtake him. Yeah, thought it two for nail. Like everything he got, even though the pass was inev- inevitable, it made Max wait for it. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I don't, I don't get why he didn't try this on on the Saturday. Like it was good. Like Mick defended well. Like to be fair, but it wasn't. Very well. it, it wasn't anything that was too out there. Like it, 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 again, it's amazing what happens when you defend the inside line against Lewis Hamilton. Like it's it, it, incredible when drivers don't just wave him by through the inside. Like it, it is just it's incredible, right? Mm. You might you might actually win some races. You might hold on to position for a little bit longer. But uh, anyway, Schumacher was vindicated on the Sunday with his best finish at P6. Magnussen finishing P8. Although Magnussen had a little bit of an engine issue, they were saying afterwards. Um, so, but I do think probably a fair result on the weekend that Schumacher finished ahead of Magnussen on the race. But 
That's back-to-back points finish, double points finishes for Haas. Now, I told you, I asked you last time, when was the last time they scored a double points finish? Could you, for God's sake. Could you guess when the last time they got back-to-back double points finishes? 2017. Uh, more recently than that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, think, oh, yeah, you're missing, yeah. 2020, I don't know. Well, think of their best season in F1. I don't know their best season in F1 off the top of my head. 2018? By far. That wasn't far off. Um, they had so the last it was actually Brazil and Abu Dhabi 2018 was when their last back-to-back double points finishes was they actually had one another one that season from Hungary and Belgium they've never had three races in a row where they scored double points finishes I don't think they will either <laughs> not in France you don't think in France? no I don't think that's who they're called uh, France is where their upgrades were originally supposed to come, but yeah. But it makes you makes you wonder, like, like because their car is basically unupgraded since essentially since the beginning, and they're still really yeah. competitive. It makes you wonder how good that car is. Slash, are upgrades for other teams working? That's the thing, isn't it? Obviously, it's track dependent because obviously Fast have been getting knocked out in Q one and stuff at times this season, so. I'll take it with a pinch of salt for this weekend, but if it's the same again next weekend, then I might actually start thinking, all right, this car actually might be very good at its core. It's mm. just track dependent. Yeah, maybe. And do you remember a few weeks ago, I think it was Baku, when Aston Martin overtook Haas for for eight? Mm-hmm. That was an eight. They're on 18 points now, our, our Aston Martin. Haas have now gone up to 34. They've moved ahead of Alpha Tauri. I saw a stat. It has to have outscored combined McLaren, Alfa Romeo, um, Aston Martin, Williams, Alfa Tori, and yeah, the, those five teams have outscored them all combined in the last two races. Wow. Yeah. Obviously, Alpine and the other the top three are mm. a definite no no, but yeah, it's mad. So, great weekend for Mick Schumacher, who's putting in some great drives when he, again, he's re- he really needed them. Obviously, he went too slow at Baku after his crashes. He had a good result in Silverstone, and obviously his best now result, a P6 in Austria. So, things are a good, good trend for them. And like you said, I'm interested to see how they get on in France. But, mm. yeah, again, they're, I think they're quietly optimistic there at Haas when their upgrades come. Just hope they, I hope their correlation works as well as like Alpine and the Mercedes have. Yeah, I hope it's not a case where they chuck it on and they've got no clue what's happened. Yeah. Uh, I guess an easy fix, though, if it doesn't, right? They just... Yeah, get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. they know they've got a decent thing underneath. Uh, who else you have as a winner of the weekend? Uh, Albon, I guess, but not really. The car looked semi-decent. It was more the car than Albon itself, to be honest. The upgrade of Williams looked actually pretty, pretty decent on pace. He just... He was terrible in the sprint, taking Vettel out, and yeah, I, 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 I've got a lot of mares down mm. this week. Um, Hell of a lot. With Albon, I think yeah, like uh, the five-second penalty for Norris, I think was a little unfair, considering that Norris yeah, eventually took him. That. But uh, the and he wasn't very happy with that either, as you imagine. But yeah, the car, I think they just some of the tire stuff. I think was what held them back a bit in the race. Albon did hold a point finish quite late on, and then. Then came Bottas and then came Alonso. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I do think they've got points potential with Albon, like a ninth and tenth, just depending on the track. If they can get on top of their tire stuff, I think yeah, that 
the upgrade should work fairly well. Yeah. So I think good op- good reason for optimism for Williams. There's a first full weekend they actually got to see their upgrade in action, so we'll see what they take from it and then go from there. Mm. I'm going to give before you go into the Met, I just want to put McLaren as a kind of the bottom of the tier, kind of bottom of the list within the weekend. Um yeah. a P seven from North. Again, I didn't like his complaining about the Albon thing uh, in the sprint. Uh, it didn't need to be that moany about it. Like you're in a you're in McLaren, you'll get there, you know. Um, they they made good progress from their very poor qualifying on Friday with Norris fifteenth, Ricardo sixteenth, uh, both drivers too. And they did look like for again in the sprint that Ricardo was kind of, kind of pushing Norris along. Uh, asked if they could swap, they didn't do that in the end. I would have let Ricardo go and then swap them at the end, but yeah, I would have as well. And then the earliest phases again, the race it looked like Ricardo was pushing Norris along again. Eventually Norris. Uh, Kind of, kind of came through in the end versus Ricardo. Uh, uh, kind of the second part of the race, uh, Norris was able to take that five second penalty for track limits and turn that into seventh place. Feel he felt like probably should have been sixth with uh, with that in the end. But look, P seven to P nine, double points finish from McLaren. Uh, solid stuff, you know. I think that car, that car is very weird. Yeah, I, I don't understand that car, especially after qualifying on Friday. Didn't break for some reason. Wouldn't stop. It's very strange to watch. Mm. So I don't have much more to say about McLaren, really. But I don't either. Although this is interesting. We kind of talked about it yesterday in messages, but uh, they've they're I think they're trying to see who they're going to push in that in their car for one of their FP1 sessions. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was very like Will Buxton had lots of McLaren things to say in the post race show and F1. F1 TV talking about he kind of broke. I don't think he broke the news. Maybe he did break the news, but he talked about how before they, they announced it, McLaren, he talked about that Colton Herder was doing a test in last year's McLaren at Portimao, supposedly today, uh, I believe, or maybe tomorrow, but a two day test for Colton Herter. He talked about like how the holdup with Piastri and Williams is that if, again, the decision to move on is Ricardo's from McLaren, not McLaren's decision to move on from Ricardo. Is if Ricardo himself decides to move on, so and he said if he, you know, the hold up with Piastri at Williams is perhaps maybe there could be opening at McLaren if Ricardo decides to move on again. I don't know where McLaren, Ricardo would go, but again, Aston Martin would be the only thing I could think of would be, you know, yeah, it's the only option, you know. Uh, and I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't do it either. So. Yeah, but it was interesting. All this McLaren. I think they're just trying to decide who they. They just had Jay and Deruvla in that, F, you know, in the car as well. Uh, I don't know what will come of that, but so it's interesting that they're kind of thinking about who they put in for this FP one session. But Colton Hurt is anyway having a shot. But hey, so I thought that was all. That was very interesting. Hmm. Um. I don't actually have a ton of losers. Do you want to go through over your mess? Uh, I did have Max and Russell in there, but Max, I could sort of, Max and George, I can sort of take out of it. Alpha, Alpha Romeo, I mean, there was unlucky with Quan Yu Zhou in the uh, sprint with the engine conking out, but Bottas was basically in the points on Sunday, just Alonso was quicker pretty much at the end. Mm-hmm. And then Joe, I don't think, had a bad race, to be fair, just wasn't as quick as Bottas. Which is fair enough, I guess. I think it's fair, given the week after everything happened, to be a little bit kind of spooked. Yes. But you had some great scraps of the Alphataris in the sprint, great scraps of them in the race. Um, yeah, both of both them were active. Yep, just kind of in the middle, really. Mm. And uh, then Yuki. 
Yeah, Sonoda had a yeah, just okay. It, was, it just wasn't yeah. anything special. Just did what Carl was capable of, really. Yeah, a uh, little naughty on the squeeze with Alonso, who yeah, as he was over, about- as he was overtaking and wagged his finger, like, took his right hand over to the left hand side and wagged it. I don't think Yuki would have seen it, but no, it's just yeah, just another just an Alonso thing to do. Just amazing stuff. <laughs> Oh dear! Is that all your mess, really? Yeah. Um, I would have put Stroll and Meh here. Car- car- category, to be fair. Yeah, he wasn't bad. He was terrible in qualifying as normal. As yeah, as usual. But but yeah, he did actually have an all right he, race. Yeah, race is okay. P thirteen. He was quite quite far up at one point. I think he was like fifth. On yeah. The mediums went went very long. Uh, finish ahead of Joe, Gasly, Sonoda, and this well, this team for different reasons. But actually, I think he will finish ahead with Vettel, regardless. I think as well. Yeah, they they bowled Vettel's Vettel's strategy. Mm. Uh, Loser of the weekend, obviously, probably top of the list, Carlos Sainz. Yes. Well, maybe well maybe joint top of the list, Carlos Sainz. Uh, nailed on for P two again. Was f- having a good weekend, again, following up his race win at Silverstone. Uh, P2 was basically nailed on for him. And again, we we came into the weekend, you know, talking about how he was just 11 points behind Leclerc in the standings. And now that's just ballooned back out to, well, it will be 36. Or no, what is it actually now? It's He's on 37 points behind Leclerc again. Ugh. Awful timing. Awful, awful timing. Especially time of the year where you're now we're over we're halfway now, essentially. And it's it's beginning to be the time where you need to consider backing one of your horses, so to speak. Uh, mm. Awful timing for science for this. But again, you could argue yeah, that he should he should have been that close to begin with. But this is the situation now. Um, just really, really rough. Yeah, it's, it's, he was actually looking not on the same page as Charles, but he was looking pretty good. Was in a within a tenth or. Eight on hundreds in qualifying, which is absolutely nuts for the top three, by the way. Yeah, a, bear, a little of a little of hint of salt with that because of the track itself. Yeah, yeah, of course. This is like I said, it's only ten corners, or whatever. But yeah. still, still nuts to have three drivers that close. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, normally it's three tenths is what I've sort of been saying about Carlos's pace. But his actual race pace wasn't wasn't insane, but it was it was, it was getting the job done. It was good enough, yeah. Say. Yeah, and like I said, would have been easy one too. And Max wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. So, yeah, just as he's about to overtake, bam, and then nearly gets melted to death. Yeah, that was very scary. He felt like the machines weren't quick enough for the. Yeah, they were awful. Awful. I can understand maybe the indecisions. Like, do you try and fight the fire, or do you stop the car to help him get out? Probably one of the first times, or one of the few times, maybe the halo, like the halo, has been a hindrance. You know, in Mm. terms of a quick get out, a getaway. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, the hill. Like, look, you could start using it. Like, oh, you rightly say the hill was the reason. Like, obviously, you, you can get out, you, people can get out of the, the car pretty quickly in the halo. But just the yeah, it's just, it was up. rolling back. It's uh, that's the only thing there. But yeah, there was it sort of dawdled a little bit. Yeah, and uh, IndyCar drivers have very have been very vocal about it on uh, Twitter. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, what did they say actually? Uh, McLaughlin and uh, what's his name? New Garden basically saying that that wouldn't have happened in IndyCar. The the safety team would have been on it within seconds. So they were yeah. a little slow. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, scary stuff for science. Every guy okay in the end, and yeah, rough, rough stuff. Bad, bad time. Especially after a week where he just obviously just put himself right back in contention here, and with Leclerc, and yeah, all that's all that's gone. 
Yeah, and he's probably going to have uh, a penalty later on in the season for that engine. Oh, it's cocked. Blowing up. It yeah, is absolutely, absolutely cocked. Have you seen the slow-mo of it, of it blowing up twice? Yeah. Yeah, not good. Yeah, it's going to be a rough one. Again, again it, was such a, it, was, it came out of time where Ferrari were looking so good, and then that hint of reliability again just crept in, and it was, oh, so it was almost so good for them, you know. Mm. And they will have obviously closed up considerably in the constructors as well. Yeah, plenty of time still left, but yeah. And look, it could, it, next weekend it could go, it could go the same way. The clerk could be leading, or be on for P two, retires, science wins the race. Also, we're back where we started a week ago. So you know, life moves after you quickly. A week ago, about a week ago. Wow, will you really reference that? <laughs> uh, yes. Sergio Perez also loses the weekend. Uh, no fault of his own again, I would say, to be honest. Well, to be yeah, well, he did make the mistake, and to be, to be fair, with the track limits and qualifying, fair. What was yeah. what was bullshit was the FA not seeing it for some reason. It was pretty clear. Um, Horner was more miffed about how obviously because if you're in Q3, you're in it to win it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. And so like they use tires, mileage on the engine. Like you're not talking much mileage, but it's full, full, full tilt. So you know, but it's mostly you're you're losing a set of tires that you've you know to get to play with a little bit. Uh, well, it's it, isn't it? So he was pretty miffed about that. He did a great recovery in the sprint to get up to fifth. And then, yeah, taken out by Russell, turn four. Apparently there was quite a, apparently there was a sizable hole in the side of the car. Yeah, I couldn't, I didn't see that. I didn't see it either, but I, Ted Kravitz on the, his notebook was talking about that, a hole in the side of the car. Because so, I was surprised, like, like, it's like they were retiring the car earlier, aren't you? It's like, a safety car could come out like it did at Silverstone and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you're going to be back in it. But, Apparently, like if you got a hole in the car, the radiators are right there, and yeah, that's that's a no no. So Checo had to retire then, and now he slipped to third now, and he's fifty seven points behind his teammate now, which was again he was fifteen points behind that Monaco, and yeah, yeah, unfortunate for him as well. This time, no fault of his own, like like science as well. Just yeah, a rough rough result for for Perez. Yeah, it's just uh, not what he needed, is it? It's just it was so good a couple of races ago, and then. Boom! It's flipped on his head once again, and does not. I don't, I don't think he likes that new upgrade at all. Yeah, Red Bull had to try to downplay this as well, um, but yeah, doesn't seem to be as comfortable as he was with the car. That could change again, but mm. just give him the old one. I don't. I don't see what difference it would make. Mm. It is quicker in it. So yeah, he's still ahead of science in the standings, but yeah, rough, rough stuff there. Indeed. Uh, I mean, other, other, only other loser really have. Well, uh, actually, you have one, but I'm going to put yeah. Sebastian Vettel in this category here. I have three other ones, so... Okay. Yeah. Um, Vettel, uh, well, was with the back of qualifying uh, on the Friday, uh, got clipped in the race, or say in the sprint by uh, Albon. I... I th- I think actually Vettel was at fault for that one. I don't Albon. I couldn't think. I didn't think couldn't have any more left to go unless he's going off the track. He understood a little bit. I said it was a little bit of both. I didn't. I put one down to the main cause of it. I I lean more to Vettel in this in this instance. I think he swooped in a little too soon. Uh, again, it could be an understeer from his point as well. But uh, I think he was at fault for that one. And then obviously he was definitely not off. No, the race wasn't going well to begin with in in, the, in on Sunday, but just. Insult injury and uh, yeah, had some unkind unkind things to say afterwards. Uh, talk about racing with clowns essentially, which 
I thought, yeah, Wolf, it was fair too because Gasly basically just drove him off the road. Yeah, Gasly's on was Yeah, that was pretty bad. So now, very to be fair, uh, I thought both Perez and Vettel did very well not to let end them with themselves getting beached. Uh, Perez mm. was able to slither off. Vettel actually managed to engage reverse while he was still moving, and managed to keep his wheels moving and got back onto the track. So they which is very impressive, by the way, very impressive. Oh yeah, they did super, it's super well to keep that thing rolling. Like and to because some drivers have very hard times getting into reverse sometimes when they go Look off. Look at Checo in uh, qualifying in Canada. Could not find it. Yeah, well, to be fair, he was lodged. <laughs> he was, but he's still good minute trying to find it. And we see it in Baku happening as well, sometimes as well, where. You can't always just engage reverse. So, yeah, we did very well with Vettel, but ended up finishing P17 and last uh, of the finishers. But he wasn't having a great, the greatest race anyway. And these upgrades with this, they do seem to be a little bit better in race trim, but uh, it's just nowhere, is it really? No, yeah. they ha- they seem to. I thought they had turned a co- like they they could be like they could easily finish like another sixth or seventh or eighth with Vettel in one of these races, but. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they did it in France. To be fair with that, you know, I mean, I, you could be talking about winners this time next week, but or this time two weeks. But it's, yeah, it's just I thought they had turned a corner a little bit, and yeah, kind of just kind of just gone, isn't it? Mm. So uh, these Lance Stroll actually said some words on the radio after the race this week, this this weekend. <laughs> so that's 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 something positive. Yeah, um, I think I know who your loser the next loser of the weekend is, but. Uh, Hit me. Uh, oh, well, oh, just Gasly, isn't it? Yeah. So, just, just shite. Just absolute shite. Honestly, he's having an absolute pants season. He's he's not the best French driver on the grid anymore, Graham. Yeah. And he's out, outstayed his welcome. No. He's just... Uh, I, don't, I don't think he gets on well with that car, to be honest. No. He did finish ahead of his teammate, but had a five-second penalty for track limits... Uh, killed Seb. Yeah, uh, was that? Did he get ten seconds for that? Was that five? I think I feel like he got like, five. Did he get a ten second penalty for something? Not sure. I know it was five for taking out Seb because of the consistency. Yeah. But then, yeah, he got five second. Oh, was it because he didn't serve his penalty? No, the they, they let. Him, I think they actually let him off the hook with that. Okay. I don't know why they didn't serve it, but. You just yeah, which is a like awful weekend. That car is really struggling. I think they may have suffered in the pipeline for Hungary, but he's still though. It's just nowhere, and I think it's too late to even gain anything really now because other teams are just that far in front. You're not getting fifth or sixth now. I don't think, uh, especially if Haas kick on. Yeah, sixth place is Alpha on fifty-one points. Uh, Haas thirty-four for seventh, yeah, and they look and they look eighth good. Eighth is their best. At this point, yeah, maybe seventh. If they, if they get something right with their car, they could maybe shoot for seventh. If maybe has to go wrong, but mm, yeah, not look, not looking good. Not quite. I wouldn't. Like, I still, I know he's confirmed for next year's Gasly. I still wouldn't be surprised if he ended up somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. If he continues to be shy, do you know what I mean? Like, and, and Vettel jump ship, then uh, yeah, I wouldn't expect Ricardo to move. It's, it's Gasly that I think is the key one here. I still, yeah, I just think the relationship could deteriorate enough where they just like, all right, that's that's enough. Just yeah, you've you've stayed here just a bit too long. Yeah, now. but I I think only if Gasly finds somewhere else to go, whether it is that McLaren seat or whatever. But yeah, it literally is. It, the only two seats now are them, them ones. Really, uh, yeah, Aston and 
McLaren. Hmm. Uh, who else you voted loser of the weekend? Ghost Teefy. Ghost Teefy. Uh, uh, t- retired very early on. Do you, I, I thought he retired around when Science did because I because I, like oh like now he's oh out. no you right you did yes because like it's like oh yeah. I didn't realize that Teefy went out of the race. He got damaged very early on in the race. That's what I meant. And then struggled around for like I think it, someone said like three seconds a lap slower than most people because he was like forty two seconds back at one point and then they were just like yeah. We're going to call it. And he's still not got the upgrade, so... Mm-hmm. I imagine ruining my king like that. It's embarrassing. <laughs> so, yeah, he just kind of... Yeah, he was... Yeah, whatever. It's, he's just there. Um, is that it? Is that then for... That's everybody, Graham. Yeah, I reckon so. That's, uh, that's very quick for a sprint weekend. We've managed to get that done with all the shenanigans as well with the news. Yeah, there was quite <laughs> a lot this week. It's like quite big news as well with the floors and the cost cap and such. So, yeah. Um... I don't really have anything much else to say. But we we we're going to do F two and F three next next week in the build up to yeah. France. Uh, so and the French Grand Prix preview as well. So I mean, is there anything, is there anything else from the weekend or or anything from F three or F two you want to touch on before or just chat briefly about? Oh uh, no, track limits. Tra- Eighty seven violations in F one over the over the two races. Oh okay, I was going to say because I think it was forty three for the race. Hmm. Over the weekend, eighty-seven, absolutely uh, ridiculous. I think the part of the problem is that it's not that the. I think it's just they can't see when they go over. Yeah, yeah. That, that I just think I, I think the FIA was being a little bit too over the top with it. Where it's just, yeah, they, they've got to allow a little bit of slack, I guess. I don't know because like they 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 constantly talk about one inconsistency, and if that's what it was, it was co- it was consistent. I, I, you know what I mean, though. Just like there was just that many popping up, it was the same in all three categories. To be fair, it was just constant. It's causing chaos at times. Yeah, but at the same time, like you know, I feel like the track is the track. Whether you say the curbs or you say the white lines, wherever you're setting it at, if you go over it, you go over it, and yeah, you I know, suppose. some people took on the chin better than others. Norris took it on the chin. Other people were complaining about it, you know, but yeah. yeah. It's, Race ratings, Graham. Honestly, that, I know we had a great finish at Silverstone, but from lap one to the final lap, this was the best race of the season. Yeah, the fact we had a five-car battle in the midfield at one point, there was, I, was, I was absolutely mind-blown at that. But there was action everywhere throughout the entire race. There was a dull point for about 10 laps, if that. Well, you would like. Well, to be fair, like the strategy was sort of coming into play. Even then, there were still cars to follow on board as they were catching or like following close by. Like you may not have seen it, like with the mm. world feed, but I had such a blast going from onboard to onboard, looking at all the action throughout. The, like it was so much action. It was honestly, it was brilliant. Like, I, I, I re- like. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give it a ten. Just because, again, like you know, maybe the, it's a definite nine. It's a definite nine. I think the only thing missing was like maybe a bit more action at the front in terms of like maybe like late on, like late drama, so to speak. Yeah, which is that element yeah. that Silverstone had. But uh, honestly, like from yeah, from lap one to seventy one, just that was my favorite race of the season. It was so so good. I didn't expect it to be that good as well. No, me either. So it was very surprising. The sprint not so much, but sprint not yeah. as much, but the. But the strategy, how it unfolded in the end, and just constant action. It was, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, so that, that I was... can't wait for Pirelli to call that up next year and make it a one-stop again. <laughs> yes, please bring the same compound, please. Uh, they went they went softer yeah. this year, didn't they? They went softest. 
Mm-hmm. It was a very, very soft list, yeah. Uh, Whereas last year we had, I think, it was in the middle. Yeah, so good deck, even though like the medium was meh and the soft was even worse than that. But the soft was unusable. <laughs> well, 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 Williams and Aston Martin attempted to use it in the sprint. Yeah, that backfired. Which was brave, but I understand why they did it. Yeah, trap position, just stay in DRS, I guess. Yeah, essentially. Um, so yeah. Hey, uh, let me just check if anything else has come through even on this Monday. Uh, Shark Hamilton announces retirement. That would be nice. There is that Barry Eccleston thing, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, but not not a lot of opinion on that. Yeah, and I haven't really read much, too much about it. Given that he's not really an F, not, not an F one circle. He's anymore. not relevant, Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's really it. Uh, yeah, bonsai um, episode from us right here today. I know, I know. Action packed, even in the podcast. Could you imagine it? <laughs> so that's going to do it, I think, for this week's edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. I've been Graham. Oh bollocks! Oh, I've been Luke. I can't. I, I, it's that hard. I can't you've, even remember. You've more than enough time to come up with something. Like I, I have, but it's been. We've gone through quicker than we normally do. And I've, I normally have like another hour on top of this to <laughs> sort of get one together. And even then it's shite. So, yeah, you, you've got Luger for this week. Um, I actually thought, like, what the t- Like, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I think Will Buxton asked Mika Hacken about sprint races and he wasn't... I <laughs> uh, don't think he was too uh, fond of the idea of, of for him. He, he said I that race... Was not. He, said, he said race starts are not fun at all. Which I think, no, which I imagine as a driver, maybe not, but I actually think race starts are like the best part of the week of like the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, arguably, um, just because it's just that jostling for position. Uh, we did a bit of drama with the sprint one, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, actually another loser for Gasly for just coming completely over across. Yeah, nearly nearly rolling another car. Uh, yeah, Looking not to take himself and Hamilton out. Well, that would have been funny. That would have been funny, but yeah. Because the second week in the row, Gathy's kind of been involved in the start. What a noob. <laughs> Just something like how his season's gone to shit. Um, but right, yes, thank you for, thank you for listening, and uh, until next time. Goodbye.